What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. Uh, today is a Gen X music show, and uh, before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Forest Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, I'm getting some, actually having delivered to me, courtesy of owner uh, James Blanchard, um, a couple bottles of the 2017 Cabernet uh, that are just my, my go-to right now. But yours could be a Pinot, your, yours could be uh, a Riesling with a Western Slope uh, partnership with a Western Slope uh, winery called Storm Cellars. Well, whatever it is, they've got it. Uh, and they're located in the dairy block right now because of the restrictions in Denver. It may not be conducive to go down there, but you can also do virtual wine tastings. Just go to bfwdenver.com and look at those. Uh, that's basically the best place that you can go to uh, find yourself some wine, really great tasting wine from Sonoma County in California. I highly suggest you go there. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th at Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, they are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanche Family Wines. Go to bfwdenver.com for your virtual wine tasting. And when you go in or when you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. All right, everyone. Today is a spooky Halloween flavored episode of the Gen X Music Show. And uh, with me is the usual suspects coming to you all the way from not New Mexico. A man I like to converse with both on Twitter and via text. My friend, Pat Guerin. Hello, Pat. Good evening, Morty. Good to see you and good to see you. hear you. <laughs> yes, kids, hear me. It's a good thing, too. Uh, <laughs> coming to us from not his mother's basement, a, uh, a man who seems to have his own podcasting studio, along with a crafting studio behind him, my friend, Joe. Hello, Joe. Um, it's not a crafting studio. It's actually a sex dungeon. <laughs> There's Great. a fine line. There's yeah, a fine line. yeah. <laughs> that is a craft. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all the way in somewheresville, Colorado, um, a man who has more purple or blue purple lighting in his room than I've ever seen in one bedroom. It is Magnus. Hello, Magnus. Just, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> boys, boys and ghouls. Hello, my little dog. Timely, timely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it is. It is our special Halloween episode of Gen X Music Show. And uh, this really was the, uh, the, the brainchild of uh, our buddy Magnus here. So Magnus, kind of give us, uh, we kind of selected some music for this. Um, kind of give us an idea of what you were thinking coming into it. Obviously, you know, Halloween spooky, but uh, was there a special criteria that you had in mind when you were kind of conceiving this as an episode? Well, I thought, you know, songs of a dark theme would be appropriate so that would include for example uh, a lot of goth music but not necessarily just goth music any song that has um, dark or morbid themes or yeah. tone or that just celebrate the day of halloween itself so it's actually kind of a wide open criteria that would, mm -hmm. would leave a lot of, of possibilities but as you know it's my favorite time of year and i thought that uh, that would be appropriate for this particular episode Absolutely, absolutely. It's the uh, most wonderful time of year. That, that yes. Fuck and Christmas. 
I, I actually was interviewing uh, the easy uh, Joe. <laughs> I was I was talking to a, a couple guys from the podcast review too um, last week, and we were, and I, it occurred to me while I was talking to him how much Americans celebrate Halloween a lot more than most other countries. It seems For to sure. be a bigger deal here than it is in most other places. Uh, Joe, I, I would, and I would just say one different other cities also. That. I think that's that's true. I think in other countries, if it's celebrated, it's much more of a children's thing. Yeah. I think when foreigners have talked to me about Halloween, they can't believe how much adults partake in it in America. <laughs> foreigners. <laughs> foreigners. Yes. <laughs> foreigners. There's also distinct like Outsiders. cities that are great for Halloween in the yeah. U.S. You know, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's certainly like New Orleans, Washington D.C., and Georgetown has a huge, uh, you know, Halloween. So uh, it's it's definitely a unique holiday that is celebrated by the dark among us most yeah. enthusiastically. Now, Joe. Now, Joe, when you were thinking of of spooky songs and all that stuff. Were you thinking of, uh, and this is, and we'll get to our list in a second here, but were you thinking of like, were you having, think? did you immediately think of goth music or was it something that just had a theme to it? Is that what crossed your mind when you were going through your list? Well, I thought about Halloween music just in general, like Matt said, it's a, Magda said, it's a, it's a broad, it's a broad uh, you know, spectrum. But actually the first thing that came to my mind was just the most scary music I could think of, like mm. stuff that probably wouldn't want to listen to on a regular basis because it would just drive you like insane yes that was actually mm -hmm. the first thing that crossed my mind yeah so, uh, so i thought about like scott walker and like uh certain artists were like like scott walker before he died he only made music that was like you couldn't actually sit through the whole thing it was like it's just so disturbing that it was just like nope i'm turning that off uh and i'm gonna listen to something happy now you know uh, so that was my first thought the former governor of wisconsin no, he was a British uh, singer. Have you ever heard of Thirtieth Century Man? That's oh yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, now, uh, Pat, I've seen your list. We've seen, we've seen everyone's seen each other's lists here. So we're kind of going to go through them for your benefit and kind of have a con conversation about them. You went a different uh, direction, and I liked yours. Uh, yours kind of has a contrast to mine. What, what was your thought uh, pattern kind of like heading into creating your own list? Well, I had to like sort of really dig in and think about this particular topic because uh, most of the music that I listen to and like dig into regularly is far more like um, sort of like a, a more, like sad bastard emotional type, um, type, uh, type scary or spooky. Whereas, you know, for this particular um, topic, I wanted to kind of get into some songs that either made you feel kind of creeped out or were telling a story that if you listen to, the lyrics of a song and you find out what the story is telling is, is kind of disturbing in, in relation to the, the sound that, it, that you're hearing from the instrumentation and the melody and all of that. So that was kind of my approach. Um, you know, I sort of deliberately, I think I said to you guys, I deliberately stayed away from like goth and, uh, and like metal and things like that. Cause I knew that you would cover them. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have our bases covered. So anyhow, yeah, Pat, exactly. I think you Sorry. made, I think you make a great point. You know, uh, if, if you just, if it's just sadness, well, that could include, tons of like 80 percent of music and like most pop music we're talking about like heartbreak or just like sadness mm -hmm. so i i try to sure. stay, stay away from just that emotional tone because it's so common in popular music mm -hmm. and and pick selections that had a little more hint of malevolence to it which i think is what you're mm -hmm. talking about yeah 
No, I, I yeah, think that's, that's exactly a, right. Yeah. That's a good starting off point there, uh, Magnus, because I, I, I think we'll, we'll just, since this was your, uh, this was your uh, brainchild, we're going to start with you and your uh, first choice here. Uh, what did you conceive of when, um, you know, from first on your list? Well, I, I had a, a lot of good choices to pick from, um, but I decided in the end to make this an all typo negative selection for me. Mm -hmm. So all my selections are from this one band. Okay. For those who don't know, they were a quartet from Brooklyn, New York. They were really popular in the 90s. Um, medium to mid-sized band. They had hit platinum with Bloody Kisses in yeah. 94, I believe, which was a pretty big record. That, I mean, I remember that those songs were played on Beavis and Butthead and they were touring with Motley <laughs> Crue and they, mm -hmm. they actually got pretty big in the 90s. Um, I would say they started out as a hardcore metal act and then shifted quite dramatically into extremely melodic, extremely beautiful, but really hard goth yeah. metal. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's really no one like them. I mean, they, they used to describe their music as uh, a cross between the Beatles and Black Sabbath. And I think that's actually a perfect description. Mm -hmm. uh, heavy me melody, that's the Beatles influence, and then the really hard uh, metal from the Black Sabbath. Um, Peter Steele was the lead singer and bassist. He was a brilliant musician. He actually died 10 years ago this year. Mm -hmm. So I thought in honor of the 10th year uh, anniversary of him being gone, this would be a good time to talk about them and they just so everyone knows and joe you put it great as we were talking about putting this episode together they are like the official band of halloween <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i was about to <laughs> mention that yeah <laughs> they, they every album that they had has great songs that would fit all of the criteria that we've just talked about mm -hmm. halloween their favorite time of the year they wrote a lot of songs about halloween and autumn in general and all these types of things that we're talking about so um I'm going to talk about one of their most popular songs and then a couple of deep cuts that I'm going to recommend people check out. So having set up that, let's talk about um, Christian Woman. Yeah. was from their aforementioned uh, big hit called Bloody Kisses is the album. If you haven't heard this album, it's, in a, it's a, a masterpiece of production. And I know, Morty, you, you, you'll back me up on that. It's mm -hmm. one of the best produced albums I've ever heard, the instrumentation. Particularly at that time. Oh, it was, it's astonishing and self-produced, which is mm -hmm. even more amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, so Christian Woman is sort of the lead uh, track. It was a single. They played it on Howard Stern and, you know, it was, it got, that radio addict got a lot of airplay, which is astonishing because mm -hmm. the lyrics are about a woman who confuses her spiritual longing for Jesus with a more corporeal desire, if you take <laughs> That's saying it very kindly. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really quite stunning how beautiful the song is, given how really degenerate the lyrics are. I'll just read a couple lines here. Um, she says, across upon her bedroom wall, from grace she will fall, an image burning in her mind and between her thighs. <laughs> and it just goes on from there. And, and it's quite amazing. And then it at the outro to the song, it's like an orchestra it builds up and then there's an instrumental section and then there's a, a acoustic section. And, in, and it's all quite beautiful and very serious. I mean, he yeah. takes the, the subject matter very serious. Like this woman is in some sort of spiritual crisis that has inflamed her physical desires. Yeah. And then at the end, and this is what I love about Typo, they always had this great dark sense of humor. 
So you have the narrator telling the story of this woman, and then and the last part of the song, he sings, oh, by the way, um, Jesus Christ looks like me. <laughs> so, so, if you want to fuck someone who looks like Jesus, I'm I'm right here. There it is. I you know I I would describe uh, Christian women as malevolently sexy. I mean it's got a it's got a sexiness about it that is really really prevalent through that song, but it is also <laughs> extremely malevolent when he does the Corpus Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi. Yeah. Body of Christ. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's just when he's saying that. I mean only Peter Steele could hit that note and it just brought a layer of like i said malevolence to it that you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't get in any song at that time by the way that is that that is why uh typo negative stood out is because Absolutely. ain't nobody sounding like uh, typo negative in 1995 no no for sure so i would say if you want a little uh a little um sacrilege <laughs> in, a, in a beautiful but also funny and sexy song check it out it's amazing yeah. it's a great christmas song <laughs> I, I think it really should be you know come on i like it more than a cold beer on a hot christmas morning yeah yeah who hurt you with christmas joe <laughs> very, very anti-christmas today oh god i hate christmas <laughs> yeah. oh boy i celebrate oh, halloween well through january that's yeah. how that's how i that's how mm. i think this holiday well pumpkin it seems functional as we all know pumpkin futures peak in january so oh yeah that's right that's right <laughs> all right uh jbh wow do you want me next or yeah, uh, okay. yeah sure why not um i had to go with um <laughs> i don't even know what's happening um i had to go with bella lugosi's dead that's one of the biggest ones ever mm. and i don't know there's probably people who haven't heard that song it's hard to imagine to me but it's by uh, Bauhaus or Bauhaus or I don't know how you pronounce the German art movement where the band took their name from. <laughs> but it's, uh, and I actually think it came to me again because I watched Ed Wood again the other day. And I hadn't seen so that. So did I. So did I. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. And uh, freaking, oh my God. You were the two guys that streamed it this week. No, I have it on DVD. So. so oh, wow. Yeah. Only one, only one was streamed yeah. this week. <laughs> But um, but no, I mean the whole song. It's a ten-minute encapsulation of Halloween, like we're talking about with every song typo negative ever did. This is Ballhouse's Halloween theme, mm -hmm. talking about how Bela Lugosi is dead, which was not a surprise at the time. Most people knew that, but <laughs> just I don't know. It's hard to describe, you know. It's like, but it's just the, one of the most perfect Halloween songs I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. I think what makes that song unique, Joe, is the uh the dubstep beat yeah with this really spidery very unique guitar line that almost <laughs> sounds like bats when he's scraping the pick up the neck oh yeah uh ending bass line mm -hmm. yeah it's just like it's the perfect um yeah for even somebody who didn't know what goth was or like goth I don't even know if Bonas really described themselves as goth per se. More like art rock, I think, is what they probably would have described themselves more as. Probably, probably. Yeah. They didn't run away from the label, though. I mean, no. when you make a song called Bell Lugosi's Dead, it's kind of yeah. Like you can't really if a song is called that for sure. You get <laughs> it past all the conventions. Yeah, it sounds the song sounds like you're descending into a crypt. It sounds yeah, like, and so yeah, sonically, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can't go Halloween Halloween without listening to that song. For sure. You, 
You know, I, I, it occurs to me that this is the only, probably the only Bauhaus song we got on here. Mm. And it occurs to me that Bauhaus uh, did the soundtrack for a movie called The Night of the Demons. Right. <laughs> you mentioned something about that. I don't think I've ever heard of. Morty's topical movies. Yes, exactly. Or <laughs> B horror movies. Um, but but yeah, they did. And it occurred to me. Yeah, well, that fits perfectly. This the band motif fits perfectly yeah. with uh, with Halloween because well, they scored a uh, a pretty grotesque horror movie. So and let's not forget they. You can see them the band performing Bela Lugosi's Dead in the opening scene to The Hunger. Yeah. With David Bowie and Susan Sarandon, a great vampire movie. Yep. Yeah, uh, one of Tony Scott's only good movies. Yep, exactly. He made, and in my opinion, one of the worst movies of all time, which is Top Gun. And yes, comment. I want to hear comments on that because. Okay, Co- comment at, at J Morton seventy eight or at PG Garen <laughs> or no PG Money. We'll pass. We'll pass that along uh, yes, to Joe, who is. Intent on inflaming all <laughs> on factions. Inflaming, inflaming the audiences of the Gen X whatever show at this point. In the spirit of Halloween. <laughs> yes, in spirit of Halloween. Everything you love will be trashed by Joe. Okay. See villagers at my, at my door with pitchforks, much like my hero, Frankenstein. Wow. wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh... Appropriate. Appropriate. <laughs> he looked good in a suit, or in a suit jacket. You'll agree with me. What, Frankenstein? Fair. Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Mr. G- Mr. Garen. So um, again, I kind of looked at some of these songs as the songs that like kind of make you on edge. Uh, the, for me, the the song "The End" by The Doors, which I briefly mentioned last week for its appearance in Apocalypse Now, is just such a disturbing trip through twelve minutes of sonic and lyrical abuse um it's 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 like you know it's certainly like a bad acid trip type song Mm -hmm. um it's uh it's dark and brooding um i mean there's lines telling you to you know ride the snake and all kinds of sort of cryptic and dark sort of uh, feelings you know he goes into this whole section that's sort of the story of, of, of oedipus about yeah. killing his father and fucking his mother and all of this and uh then they just start yelling out fuck over and over again yeah. uh so it's uh it's a bizarre it's definitely a downer um if it comes on in uh, some random rotation of music and uh and i've always just found it overall to be a spooky song so it's the first thing i kind of thought about when i heard you know that, that this is a topic we, we, we should think about so there you go oh, yeah. you know yeah, totally. I, I think that that's an excellent selection and mm-hmm. when i hear that song i always think that it would be perfect for like a ritual it sounds very ritualistic that, mm-hmm. that part of metalware just becomes sort of frenetic and ecstatic you can see people kind of losing control and some kind of weird ritual. Um, it's great. It's very brooding. It's very popular in goth music. Rosetta Stone did a, a cover of it. Um, mm. Quite excellent. It, 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 and it's like, you're, you were right, Pat, that it was, it's very much like a bad acid trip, uh, which I, I'm probably fits with the times, too. And I'm sure a lot of people were having bad trips. Mm. And... Uh, and Jim Morrison was an expert. On, yes, he on was. So yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good description. And and it is I, I, the part where he's screaming about wanting to kill his, you know, 
what his father and yeah it's, father. it's yeah it's like it's like jarring and unsettling is the way i put mm. it and uh it's, a, it's, yeah. it's really like it, it bludgeons you over the head at that point but it kind of comes out of nowhere it's very you know loud and kind of jars you awake so uh yeah that's a that's a good selection pat i like that yeah. well thanks good. and you know yeah and just to wrap it up on that song it's like that supposedly you know jim morrison uh you know did kind of write it on a bad acid trip or in close proximity to one uh when they were house band um for whiskey a go-go when they wrote the song and uh, the next day they were fired yeah i love that part in the movie you know the one the, the oliver stone movie yeah uh, where they're doing it of course. yeah like that's what everyone in a club in LA wants to hear about is some guy wanting to do his mom. <laughs> yeah, that's what the uh, Wednesday fans right there. You know? uh, 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 <laughs> and now everyone thinks Jim Morrison was Val Kilmer. Um, <laughs> Wait, he wasn't? No. <laughs> that was Val Kilmer? I haven't, seen, <laughs> I haven't seen either of them in years. Yes. It's the same place. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, uh, my selection, I'm surprised no one, one of the, actually all three of my selections, I was surprised no one immediately uh, jumped onto. Uh, number one for me would be No Quarter from Led Zeppelin. Which is a very good call. Which is a, it's, I don't think it's meant to be a spooky song. It's meant to be an atmospheric song, particularly with the, you know, the, the, the kind of a B3 sound. Um, and... The, the electric piano, which builds into this jazzy midsection. But the, the, the creepy aspect of this is Robert Plant's vocals, which are treated in a way. Yeah. And they, they really, when he closes the door, pull out the light, that part of it, he is, it's like that entire, and he's singing slightly off key. Mm. And it, that makes that whole thing extra unsettling. And uh, never listen to that song when you're in a certain mood because uh, it's just it's 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 not scary. It's creepy. And it's a, yeah. it's a, I remember it's having a, it on in the dark once and like nope, I'm gonna skip ahead here. I'm gonna go to <laughs> a different track. I think. Or, you know. I remember that like as a teenager listening to that song. Like, That's good criteria on, for on this category. Yeah. yeah. For me, the the uneasiness in that song comes from the feeling that the people in it are being followed. Yeah. yeah about footprints in the snow and you get the sense that they're at night they're walking they're trying to get home and something is at, something is behind them that that's the feeling i get i don't know if there's actually anything about in the lyrics but certainly that's the unease that i feel when i hear that song yeah and even <laughs> even the phrase is kind of sounds kind of sinister you know the idea of no quarter and yeah mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very it's, it's sort of like yeah and it's just kind of like a, a, a song. A, I like the jazzy breakdown in the middle, and which they extended out to unreasonable length. <laughs> they went through the, That's one of the highlights of uh, like the song remains the same. Soundtrack. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And it, it allowed yeah. them to really work out on it. But it was great live. Great live. It yeah. was always a yeah. great highlight of their concerts. But it was more than that. It was just. It was just an overall great song. John Paul Jones primarily responsible for that song so it's uh another mm. one of those songs in his uh led zeppelin of that uh that needs to be probably respected more than it is and people need to understand john paul jones was a big huge part of that band uh, oh yeah and a great of, musician in general yeah exactly so uh, magnus 
Number two, typo negative. Uh, this is a track from a deep track from their follow up to Bloody Kisses called October Rust. Mm -hmm. um, great album, very My lush, favorite one, probably. very very dense. You know, October Rust was not that popular according to the band when it came out. It didn't sell as much as Bloody Kisses, and I think the label considered it a disappointment. Mm. And definitely there's more romantic type songs on there, and I think a lot of fans thought that they had kind of gone soft, or at least that's the perception. Mm. But in retrospect, I think it's um, it's become one of their most appreciated albums, even by the band themselves. Mm. Uh, so this deep track is called Wolf Moon. Mm. And again, it, it, it lyrically, you know, only typo could walk this line. <laughs> it's simultaneously about a werewolf, and going down on a woman when she's menstruating. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it's amazing. It's, and again, they treat the subject matter very seriously. Uh, it begins with the 28th day. She'll be bleeding again in lupine ways. I'll alleviate her pain. Mm. And then it goes through, you know, on, the, on this day, she comes out, the wolf comes out, you know, it's like, it's amazing, and then and it's pretty hard rock. I mean, it's a it's a heavy song. It's but a then in the middle, and then in the middle of it, he just there's just music just stops, and he just says, "Beware, the woods at night." <laughs> and then it breaks into this gorgeous melodic outro, with a wolf howl in the background, and and again, it's like you don't expect it to be. You know, you kind of get the wink, wink. Oh, I'm actually talking about a chick here. And then all of a sudden it becomes like this beautiful haunting melody. That's, uh, all the great typo have that song, have songs have that element where there's a, a serious, deadly serious thing combined with a wink wink. And uh, <laughs> I remember seeing them, uh, they were on a bill with Celtic Frost and Celtic Frost came out and they're all in the death metal garb, you know, and just totally like we're dead, undead Vikings, right? <laughs> and then typo came out when it was their turn to play and they came out to the theme of the monsters and and it was just like the difference was okay these guys get the you know unlike yeah. Celtic Frost who don't get how ridiculous they look yeah. <laughs> so great song check it out Wolf Moon on well, I like it. I love that song it's a great song that's something I appreciate about like Death Clock too is that like how amazing they are musically but they, but the, the whole thing is made made as a joke. I mean, it's it's a whole parody of metal. Yeah, and yeah, mm -hmm. like negative were great because they were both great metal and a parody at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And was Celtic Frost uh, Robert Frost's band? Undoubtedly, poet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was huge in the metal. Most people don't know that. <laughs> Two roads diverge in the metal in a metal wood. Yeah. He used to he used to growl when he would read. He'd be like. Nothing gold could stay. <laughs> <laughs> it's off the rails. Off the rails. <laughs> All right, Joe. Uh, number number two pick. Number two pick. Another song that I can't have Halloween without. And this could actually go for the entire band, kind of like typo negative, is Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. Ooh. You know, you just can't have Halloween without that song. And actually quite a few Oingo Boingo songs. Yeah, but Dead Man's Party is just kind of the perfect Halloween song, you know. Yeah, it is the the entire song. It's just about you know, hey, look at us, we're at a Dead Man's Party, you know. Um, oh, and it was also featured in the uh, classic Rodney Dangerfield movie, Back to School, where the band are playing it 
um, at, at a party that Thornton Mellon uh, hosts. Thornton Mellon being Rodney Dangerfield's character in the movie. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Robert Downey Jr. That is... uh, passes out on the floor, as you might recall. That is wildly impressive uh, there, Joe. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I love that song. I used to Joe used to kill that kill that song in a good way uh, at karaoke. And uh, yeah, before I got too old, my voice changed. With the puberty, like at around thirty five, so that yeah. that was the end of that. You know, you know, I, I sometimes it's a great choice, Joe. I wonder about Oingo Boingo, like how many people know about them these days? Because Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo, of course, went on to have. A particularly yeah. successful film score career. Yeah. Scoring hundreds of movies from Tim Burton to Spider-Man to, you know, all these big blockbusters. Um, oh, yeah. And he had this bizarre uh, ska slash rock band yeah. uh, that he formed with his brother. And they had a, they love Halloween. They had a lot of great Halloween themes. They actually mm-hmm. did a song that was supposedly set to the, the words of a real satanic ritual. It's called No Spill Blood. Mm. Is that what Which that I, is? I yeah, know. I've heard that yeah. song, obviously, but yeah, yeah. Wow. God, yeah, but, but not as catchy as Dead Man's Party. Crazy. No, yeah, <laughs> and, just like, and uh, No One Lives Forever was was a, was a close sec, uh, follow up. That was that was one I thought about too from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two soundtrack. That's, that's my favorite Uncle Boingo song. Is it? Do you like the version uh, in the in the movie or the one that's on the, the like the Best of Boingo version? Like both. Do you like both? Because I I definitely prefer the one that's on the Best of Boingo. That was. One of the best CDs I ever bought, especially when you uh, measure how much you spent for a CD versus how much how much joy it gave you. It was like yeah. a three dollar used CD. I remember buying it way back, you know, when CDs were something you went and bought, and uh, that's like the greatest thing I ever bought for that much money. You know, oh, for three bucks all day long. But yeah. you know, who, who knows Uncle Bungo these days? I don't even know. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, I remember I remember my first introduction to Oingo Boingo was. Uh, uh, via Magnus's brother, and uh, that's the first time I'd ever actually really paid attention to him. And then later mm-hmm. on, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is back to school. And you know, Danny Elfman did the uh, you know the the theme music to Batman and The Simpsons and all that stuff. I think so, it was actually illegal oh. to make a movie in the '80s that didn't have a Boingo song on the soundtrack. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, in fact, oh, I was watching Ghostbusters two the other night. Tiny little scene in the background where Ray and Egon are in a room and um, Flesh and Blood's playing in the background for about oh, 40 wow. seconds. Just really? in the I background, did. and that's it. Wow. I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I know. Remember. I didn't either. Yeah. I mean, the, the per- more pertinent question is, why were you watching Ghostbusters 2? Oh, <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 gets a bad rap, but it's still a pretty solid <laughs> movie. It's, it's not as good as the first one, but what, what is as good as Ghostbusters 1? Come on. True, true, true. Yeah. All right. All right, uh, Mr. Mr. Garen. Uh, so, you know, again, not to have these uh, complete insane type tales like uh, Magnus is presenting us with. Um, I find that you know the the, the the title song of one of the greatest of the Springsteen albums, Nebraska, is a, is a dark, um, disturbing song that is sort of uh, the melody is sort of to like this land is your land, and it's, and it sounds like kind of like a folkish like um, Americana type sound. But if you listen to the words, you know it's about a true story of a spree killer. Uh, you know, so the classic Springsteen, you know, has got some guy in a car who picks up a gal. It was Charles murderer. 
exactly mm. um who uh i think it was in the late 50s joe right where he yeah. kind of like mm. stormed across the midwest committed numerous murders with a 14 year old gal kind of by his side mm-hmm. um i believe he referred to him as his pretty baby so yeah. anyhow highly disturbing and the, the way that springsteen does it especially like i i've been kind of like going back and uh listening to uh, a lot of springsteen you know in the last handful of years so i imagine contemporaneously when it came out and you listen to this album and it, like i said it was the title track you know at first you're like oh okay you know this is a, this is an interesting song it's like the melody it's familiar uh but then it goes off the rails and it ends up really being disturbing when eventually uh charlie starkweather is caught and uh he they're like why did you kill all these people and he just says uh you know there's just a meanness in this world mm. so that Very is awesome. uh gives me sort of like some some chills some scares uh, yeah. some, oh, you know, yeah. like, uh, a, a true sort of like subtle way of presenting a story about incidences and a, and a character that are truly evil. That's a great call, Pat. It kind of reminds me, do you remember, um, you remember the beginning of uh, No Country for Old Men kind of mirrored it. Remember when he's like, oh, killed a five-year-old yes. girl. He's like, I'd mean to do it all, the, you know, I'd been meant to kill someone as long as I knew. You know, it's like, I know I'm going to hell. Be there in about five minutes. It is, you it know, kind of reminds that's me. That's a perfect that. example. Tiger, and I think that, they have the same feel for sure. I mean, there's just a tension in No Country for Old Men all along where it's like, you're like, horrible things are happening right in front of my eyes and, and, I, and that I'm hearing happen with my ears. But it's it's very subtle, you know? It's very, yeah. it's sort of like the vehicle to get it through you through like sort of un, an understated storytelling. And I think that applies to both that fantastic film and also this. It's like the, this, bana- this the banality of evil, which makes it like evil even scarier. That like, it yeah. can be so just just every day you know it could be like going to the grocery store you know to I, actually, I, I think of a different movie when i hear that song. perfectly said of, joe thank you henry portrait of a serial killer Have that movie is so yeah. fucked up oh my it god is, oh, it's fucked up i i think about nebraska when i saw i just saw it again the other day and the oh. end of that floors me and that's when i kind of hear that vibe from that song oh definitely <laughs> i can't believe you saw that movie twice are you demented my god i never wanted to like i didn't want to sleep for like two days after i saw that movie oh yeah yeah it's it's really bad it is the same type of it's the same type of unease that i feel watching that movie as listening to that song it's a great choice uh to me it reminds me of the movie uh badland well yeah yeah, which is about charlie starkweather uh yeah but see but but morty i don't get that feeling of unease when i watch that movie that movie badlands as when i listen to the song or when I watch No Country for Old Men or even though it's about the same material, I don't get that sense of it. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I've seen the movie. You've never seen it? That was, uh, what's his name? Did Martin Sheen. No, no, no. Terrence uh, Malick. Yeah. 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 So it was, pre- it was pretentious and ponderous like all of Terrence Malick's movies. But... I don't think I've ever seen an entire Terrence Malick movie, so yeah. We got way off subject here. Wow. Here we go. Wow. <laughs> Such a great choice, man. That's a great oh. choice. And, it, and it's on a fantastic album which we've visited before yes, two of our picks for uh for great story songs were obviously from that from that album nebraska I mean, is so good. That album. yeah so so good it's mm-hmm. totally agree atlantic city one of my favorite yeah. all-time songs ever. It's one of his you best know, songs just to fl- flesh out the track list there but the covers are awesome the original is awesome it's just a, a perfect pure storytelling song but that's a discussion we've already had <laughs> Probably his best album. I, I think so. That's my partic- my that's my personal uh, favorite, and I would pick that one above 
slightly above Darkness on the Edge of Town for me. So yeah, that's the, those two go together for me too. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Uh, my my selection kind of goes with a memory. Um, I was this is another one I was surprised no one picked, and maybe it was because it was too obvious. But uh, um, this is a, a song that um, the singer and writer of which uh, wrote after, based on the tales that his grandfather would tell him. Uh, uh, basically, scaring the living crap out of him about things that crawl through your window uh and uh consume you which is uh, uh and he called his grandfather called it the spider-man and it is uh it is lullaby by the cure it's a great and thing it is a if you watch the video the video adds the creep factor up to about 10 of the song <laughs> and it's already a the particularly with the way robert smith sings it it is it's a headphone all, song it's a headphone like, yes it's a headphone song yeah, yes. like Exit by U2. That's one of the two best, yes. you know, like, if you really want to get the full effect of it, you know, have, yeah. have yeah. Have the cans on. And, yeah. And I, I, every time I've heard it, it, first of all, it's a really, I mean, it's two two chords, C sharp minor and A, and it is got this melody on top of it, but it has this unsettling atmosphere to mm -hmm. it that is hard to pinpoint until you start like the lyrics come in and Robert Smith starts singing and you're like, oh, this is like really unsettling. And that is without the, like I said, the aid of the video, which is fucking disturbing. <laughs> it's yeah. silly in an eighties way or like late eighties way, but it is still just like adds all that. And I, I don't like spiders anyway. So obviously. Uh, <laughs> and, going to... and the genius of the cure of course, is to overlay that with a pop. Mm -hmm. sensibility yeah i mean it's hard to believe that that's like one of their most well-known and popular songs and it's such a disturbing yeah <laughs> it's great uh, infection and it's on maybe their best album it's probably their best album yeah, yeah. disintegration I mean, maybe maybe some diehard cure fans might argue that but i think everyone else would be like yeah that's their best album yeah oh it is it's great I, it's one of my favorite albums in general um it's it's that good and so it's it's like it, it it provokes a memory for me, and I don't know why, because I don't believe this was played on any of the mixes, but it reminds me of uh, mid-90s uh, parties we used to have that had a goth theme to them. I, oh, sure. I, yeah. I can't think of, uh, like, listen to this song without thinking about those moments. Uh, yeah. and, I, and, and Magnus, I don't think you had them on any of your, this particular song on any of the mixes. Um, I don't recall. It kind of came up now and again, right? Um, I'm sure there was some cure on there. I don't mm -hmm. know if that song was, but I'm sure there was some cure. There was but probably guess... some cure, yeah. Except from pornography, for sure. That's a oh, that's yeah. even darker album than Disintegration. Than Disintegration. Faith, yeah. Faith is also much darker. Oh, it's yeah. It's, oh, like, yeah. it's like bleak too. It's just like it's there's no other. No seconds is also yeah. really really bleak. <laughs> but it's a, and and we've discussed this before. How I mean, memories can be attached to to songs, and I I can't it, I can't remove this song i can't think of this song without removing those memories and and it is interesting to me how they just come up because it, those were some of the most unique times i've ever had uh and it brought out a whole menagerie of people to mm -hmm. say the least and yeah. it was they were both extremely fun well one was more fun than the other um but it was still great times and it just associate intensely intensely those 
those moments with that. And, uh, uh, but that, that's less to do with Halloween than, uh, than uh, what we've been talking about tonight. So, um, the darkness and the light, right? Darkness and the light, right. Yeah. So we're, we're going, we will take a quick break and we will come right back with a read from DraftKings. All right, night time to talk to you about DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Um, Patrick, have you have you won some money recently? Did did, did, did DraftKings do you well? Well, you know, I like to say all I do is win, Morty, but uh, it's more <laughs> like uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. But uh, yeah. the um, the World Series Game Six, I uh, I was hoping for a Game Seven, and so I DraftKinged with my hopes. And uh, and lost, um, which just made the Dodgers winning the World Series that much more bitter for me. Now, was there uh, any juice on uh, Turner having COVID? <laughs> you know, I, I, want, I once heard that you can find odds on anything. So if you dig deep, I bet you could. Um, you could have parlayed it with like, will he participate in the World Series celebration on the field afterwards? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, probably got like two and a half to one odds or something like that. Yes, but, um, right, exactly. Uh, well, DraftKings does have some uh, good time contests. You can go in and, uh, and it's free to enter, uh, but you just, you choose, uh, there's things for uh, weather. Like, oh, is it going to be over 75 degrees in Atlanta and under 65 degrees in Denver? And there's this whole like, you know, 10 questions or something. And uh, if you get them right, you're a winner. Oh, nice. Well, you know, as you, as we all know, the season is in full swing for the NFL, and the action is still unfolding, so head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so many storylines across professional and collegiate sports, it's time to check out the, all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head on over to the App Store now, because you won't want to miss this. To celebrate the showdown in Happy Valley, uh, which is somewhere in Pennsylvania, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to turn $1 into $100 when uh, placing a bet on the, the Ohio State and Penn State game. Additionally, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to receive a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. On top of all those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every single Sunday to help you make it rain, and rain is spelled R-E-I-G-N. Um, download the uh, top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up for this can't-miss offer. Pick either Penn State or Ohio State, bet $1 on them, and cash $100 if they win. That is $1 to win $100 when you use promo code MHS during sign-up. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprise of first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we are back with the crew, and we're going to uh, continue our list with our last selection of our uh, spooky Halloween-flavored uh, songs, songs that will definitely bring you chills. Um, and uh, as uh, my friend Patrick here pointed out, we I will tweet out a playlist of uh, this uh, these episode songs after uh, the episode uh, gets posted on Twitter, so you guys can check that out as well. Magnus, selection number three. So <clears throat> the third and final selection from Typo Negative is from their follow up to October Rest called World Coming Down. A really bleak, bleak mm-hmm. black album. 
there's a lot less of the flashes of humor on this album than there were on others, but there's still still some. But uh, this has the most perfect Halloween song. It's called All's Hallow's Eve. Mm -hmm. And it's about um, a man trying to resurrect his dead lover on Halloween night with some black magic. And it begins with these lyrics. Fall fires burn neath black twisted boughs, sacrifice to above. Smoke swirling quickly towards misting clouds, offering of this blood. Into the flames and without shame, consumed with howls and screams, pumpkins grin in their despair on all Hallow's Eve. Nice. And it's 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 a gloriously um, malicious and yet somehow romantic and sweet because he misses her so much he wants to bring her back to life. Yeah. You know, realizing that's probably not a good idea on some level, and then it breaks out into the. It's very heavy, but then it breaks out into this beautiful melodic chorus where he basically pledges his soul to satan it's just it's glorious <laughs> I, I, have not, I have not heard it before you put it as your post and it, it's becoming quickly one of my favorite type of negative songs that's great uh, yeah it's, it's great yeah you, you know so, and i i think they had decided after because october rust is definitely more um poppy I, and that's weird to say. It's not pop. as poppy as they get. Yeah, as, yeah as for sure. They get, and yeah. I think they were like, "We're sick of this shit. We're not going to be covering Cinnamon Girl here. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to make this as morose and." Uh, Which my wife loves, by the way. She like doesn't. She like won't accept Neil Young's version of Cinnamon Girl at all. Oh, I'm the same so way. I'm, are you? I'm yeah, I love version for sure. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, and I'm you know, a Neil Young fan. Sorry, that's just yeah, that's just me. And, and it's it's that's what I kind of like about that. And I like my typo negative, ultra, this dark. like dark and yeah. foreboding, and because it fits Peter Steele's voice. <laughs> well, but it's also it's got the foreboding aspect, but it's also got a sweetness to it. There's a romantic yeah. side of all of these songs. Yeah, exactly. That only he could only he could write. Uh, you know, he died 10 years ago. Uh, they only made, what, five or six albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrible loss for music. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Was it each album kind of point more and more to his suicide? Would you say? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Just on World Coming Down, the album that we're talking about right now, he has. there's a song called Everything Dies. And yeah. another song called Everyone I Love Is Dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And yeah, then the next the album was on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with no shock there. Yeah, for you know, like for a man who uh, like was, he was huge too. He's like six foot seven, six foot eight. The man was a, absolutely, absolutely enormous. Black hair, very Italian. Uh, but it was just he's such a, a, a immense, you know, power to his voice. And yeah, their popularity diminished as it went on. But there was something that they had that I don't think I could ever think any band has a combination of that pop E sheen with absolute, just brutal guitar playing. Mm -hmm. And, and just that combination there in, in, along with his, you know, really deep, very full voice. I, I, no one's been able to recapture that. I don't think. It's, it's the songwriting. I mean, the songwriting is exquisite. Yeah, it's um, solid. Yeah, it really is. It is. Well, those are anyway, uh, perfect, perfect Halloween song, perfect Halloween band. Check it out. Those are three yeah. excellent, excellent, excellent choices, and I highly suggest everyone go out and check out uh, Typo Negative. They're one of my 
preeminent 90s bands that uh, I keep going back to. Um, well, you, should, you, Morty, you should be the first guest on Magnus's Typo Negative podcast, which is yes, all I Typo Negative. I will be. The songs all the time. And the picture mm-hmm. of the picture accompanying it will be uh, Peter Steele splayed in uh, Playgirl. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's how they got you on the show. Huh? <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, all right, JBH. Uh, oh, actually, my last pick is was my first pick thinking of this show. Okay. I'm thinking of Halloween. Is I was trying to think of just stuff that's just messed up, you know, like you can already listen to the whole song, and the number, the first thing that really jumped to my mind was uh, uh, "Frankie Teardrop" by Suicide, and I don't know if you guys actually listened to it after I told you about the song or anything like that, but uh, Suicide yeah, sure. were so ahead of their time. I mean, they they played CBGBs before the Talking Heads, before Television, before uh, Blondie or any of those guys. And people who don't know what CBGB's is, it was a famous club in New York. All the great punk, like the Ramones came out of CBGB's. Um, but they played them before. And it was a two-person band, but basically like the first synth band. It was like Croftwork yeah. before Croftwork again. Um, but Frankie Teardrop is a droning, electronic, 10-minute song about a guy who works in a factory Um to feed his wife, you know, and his daughter. I, I can't, I don't know if it's his daughter or his son. I actually can't remember, but his kid. And he can't make ends meet. And he comes home and he kills them. And then kills himself over the course of the 10 minutes. And it's all about how he goes to hell. And lyrically, it's not so much about what, like, that he's in hell. But musically, it, like, just resounds mm-hmm. with that theme. And, and throughout it, there's just, like, the lead singer whose name... Uh, escapes me um screaming alan, alan vega alan vega thank you uh screaming just every once in a while just screaming at the top of his lungs um i read up on it something about it where there was a, a radio host who had a show who one of his challenges was to just put uh frankie frankie teardrop on on headphones and go into like dark places and see how long they could last with that like just playing mm. in the background wow. i don't think anyone finished the song yeah. It's like one of those one of those kind of songs. So it's even very fitting for Halloween. Just like right. the one time a year, you're probably going to listen to Feggy Teardrop. Make it this time of year, you know? Uh, great, great choice. And, yeah. you know, that band, Suicide, very influential in goth, goth music. I would oh, say sure. kind of like Velvet Underground. They yeah. they didn't sell a lot of records, but they inspired a, a hundred bands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The Sisters of Mercy cited them as a huge influence. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, great, great choice. Very disturbing I, song. Yeah, it's a disturbing song, and I and I could not believe that's the first time I'd heard it when you sent it to us. Uh, oh, really? In our group text, that, that's the first time I'd heard it, and uh, that'll be probably the last time I hear it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for good reason. Yeah, Pat, did you listen? Hey, yeah, I did. It was, uh, yeah. Did you listen? Uh, to the thing? Did you listen to from start to finish? I listened to Pat? a lot of it. <laughs> I don't expect you to have listened to the whole thing. I, I think there's something wrong with you, probably. If you listen it's very to hard. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pat's all like, I listened to much of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were talking about Springsteen earlier. Springsteen covered a, a suicide song. Um, oh, really? Keep, keep Your Dreams, or was it Keep Your Dreams, or Dream Baby Dream, Springsteen covered in concert. Oh, really? I remember yeah. reading something that he was a huge fan of them as well. Yeah. Suicide Band is a great cover, so check out uh, the band and check out that Springsteen cover. And Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's great. Great band. 
All right. Well, that's a uh, perfect choice there, uh, Joe. All right. Uh, Mr. Garen. So, uh, you know, in the spirit of the season, um, I was digging deep into songs that I hadn't heard in a long time and things like that. And I ran across uh, an old track from uh, the Dave Matthews band called Halloween, appropriately. Yes. And uh, I remember it was on the album These Crowded Streets, and that was a huge hit for them in the late 90s. And I probably listened to it thousands of times. Never fully dug into like sort of the creepy cryptic sort of lyrics that go on in this song but it's basically a semi-autobiographical song it's part of a series of songs on that album that are supposedly uh sort of autobiographical about an old relationship where he kept asking this gal to marry him and she blew him off or said no or whatever and uh, he would get so angry about it in this song now that he decided to infiltrate her dreams and uh try to make her life a nightmare uh, essentially and uh, so it goes on and the the character kind of makes themselves out to be the victim, but is perpetrating this sort of horrible level of sort of stalking plus by actually getting into the dreams of uh, this person that he loves. It starts off with the lyrics, hey, little dreamer's eyes open and staring up at me. Oh, little lonely eyes open and radiant. Wait until I come and I will steal you. Wait until I come and I'll take your soul. Wait until I come and I will steal you. Wait until I come and I will go. Wow. And that's just the first um, lyrics in the song. It goes on to like talk about how all kinds of things. Anyway, it's <laughs> worth listening to. It's uh, also was supposedly going to be used in the movie Scream 2, I believe. And they liked it so much that they kept it back for an album and ended up sending another song over for that soundtrack. But um, wow. appropriate for the season, um, beyond just its title, a kind of a dark um, song that uh, it's easy to get lost in the instrumentation and sort of the theatrics of a band like the Dave Matthews Band. But uh, a spooky song for sure. That's crazy. Because uh, I dreams haunting. I had forgotten about that song. Me too. So you texted yeah, yeah. that, and I Me listened too. to it. And I'm like, Holy crap! I've never listened to this. I don't know why, but that album kind of slipped through the cracks. Other than um, what was the one? Crush. That was like the big. Remember the big hit off that album or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That was the one I probably knew the most uh, from that album, and, and I've still known. You know, uh, whatever I listened to Dave Matthews, but yeah, what a great song. That was, that album is a little more electric, right? A little more. Uh, Umphy than his previous album, right? If, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, it, it was sort of the classic that, you know, they they hit superstardom with their first record, which mm -hmm. they was a combination of songs they've been performing for years. And then it was like a couple of years to put together this new album. And music, the sound of pop music was changing a little bit yeah. at that time, too, in that mid to late 90s. And, and so it was definitely a departure, but I think it's still you know, regarded as a pretty, uh, um, you know, well liked album amongst people that like the Dave Matthews band. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great selection. I had forgotten about it too. It's interesting you mentioned the Wes Craven connection that they were going to use it in Scream because uh, you can't help but think of Freddy Krueger when you hear that just that idea yeah. of someone's their dreams. And I did see a uh, interview with Wes Craven once, and he talked about the idea of Freddy Krueger about someone who stalks you in your dreams mm -hmm. and how you know the whole idea of that is like the the most violation you can think of, right? Yeah. Or someone penetrate your dreams is like rape on a macro level like a spiritual yeah. for someone to invade your most private things which are your dreams mm -hmm. very just very cool oh, yeah yeah, yeah and, and, and during that time while you're dreaming it it's replacing your reality which
which is like yeah. where sort of the insidious nature of it becomes, you know, I mean, you could suffer uh, just as you would if it was happening in, re- in real life by experiencing it through a dream and a lot of examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a great song because I, I had, I don't think I ever fully w- absorbed that song when, uh, when it came out. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm glad you yeah, and I'm glad you sent that on, Pat, because I, I, I was able to actually hear it. And it, not only is it, you know, definitely fitting in with the theme, it's actually good. It's a good song. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not just a, you know, a song that fits a vibe. It's just a good song. So uh, I did, once again, Pat, another great job. And when we, when we send out that uh, Apple Music playlist or whatever, click that lyrics button. Look at the lyrics of this song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I read the ones that are just at the beginning. It goes off the rails. And um, <laughs> I, would, I, would say that, that, I would suggest that for all of the songs we've talked about, the lyrics yeah. are, I think Good all point. of these are reading. As you, yeah. As you oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Especially for something like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, all right. My uh, last choice is. Um, which I was so pissed at you for getting to me, getting to it ahead of me. Yeah, and I thought it was an obvious one because it's the ultimate. Oh, it's so good though. It's the ultimate Halloween song. Yeah, um, a song that was written uh, by a guy who had a, a dream about a black figure um, standing at the foot of his bed with red eyes looking at him, and that song is uh, "Black Sabbath" by Black Sabbath. First Black Sabbath album. First Black Sabbath album. Mm -hmm. uh, On the album, Black Sabbath. Yes. From the band, Black Sabbath. And the song, Black Sabbath. Written by Black Sabbath. (laughs) Written by Black Sabbath. Recorded on a Black Sabbath. (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh, Released on the Black Sabbath. (laughs) Yes. A a band that took its name from a a really bad uh, Boris Karloff movie. Yeah. Um, it is a, but the song itself is, is I think someone that I, I read an interview about with someone about it, the, the actual instrumentation or the riff. It is a, uh, a inverted third chord and uh, it's kind of dissonant because you don't associate the notes together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it created that doom Along with Tony Iommi's uh, tuned down guitar. Yeah, let's say how many how many steps is it to? Is it like a half step or a whole step tuned down? A uh, step and a half. Step and a half, yeah. And that makes this just this this absolute. And doom is the best way to put it, but it's mm-hmm. also so spooky. And this particularly the way Ozzy sings the song. Yeah, is, he sounds terrified throughout it. Yes, he does. What is yeah. this that stands before me? And it's just like, ugh. And it just, it, don't listen to that in the dark. Uh, yeah. It, it it's the ultimate of tonight, not listening in the dark. Oh, yeah. it, is, it is just, it will get to you. It is, it is just one of those songs. And I just, immediately I was like, I was waiting. And in, in, in the, uh, the, the, the text conversation we had, I'm like, these guys, what... Joe, at the very least, is going to is going to put Black Sabbath on here. I just know it, and I didn't see it, and I'm like, boom! <laughs> I this Damn song. man, you <laughs> jumped ahead of me. Because it is that. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have a problem with my picks, but man, at, at the time, I was so pissed at you. I was like, <laughs> I was just about to text everybody that that was my second pick. 
after Frank Gatera dropped it. And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Great, great choice, morning. I remember seeing an interview with Ozzy once when he was intelligible. And he said, <laughs> you know, in the 60s, they were reading, but all the music was all flowers and peace and good times. And he's like, for us living in industrial, you know, North England, that was not our life at all. It was bleak. It was dark. And he's like, we wanted to write music that made people feel the way we felt. Like, you know, why don't we write songs about scary things or, you know, um, intimidating things. So uh, great, great choice. Although, the song is also a great example too of of how Black Sabbath got all that shit from like the Christian right yeah. about like Satanism, but like that's a perfect example right from the beginning. The Black Sabbath was all about to fear that shit. Like it was yeah. like it's scary stuff, you know. Yeah. Like they're they're like scared to death of Satan. They don't want to commune with Satan, you know. Yeah, and and two great metal bands came from uh, Birmingham, where it's where they where they were from. Well, Robert Plant and John Bonham were from Birmingham, England. From Birmingham. Um, yeah. the, the entire band of Blast hit Black Sabbath and uh, Judas Priest. They all came oh, from uh, Birmingham. Birmingham. I didn't know that. Yeah, they so, were great. They were so great it's like, yeah. yeah, three great, you know, kind of came from that. But it was that industrial. Well, Tony Iommi losing three, the tips of three of his fingers was in an industrial accident. Yeah. So I, that, that, that tells you what their life was like. But yeah. yeah, it's such a, I mean, Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath is a song that I I can listen to because the riff is just so good. That it's, The riff is just... That's such a great album, too. I may like that album more than Paranoid, which I know for some people is like, oh my God, really? But because you know, Paranoid is obviously the big breakthrough album, but man, that first album is like my favorite Black Sabbath album. Oh, it's so good. Just, it's yeah. Great. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, that is all our selections for this uh, Gen X music show. Uh, gentlemen, any, any summation that you would like to impart to us, to, the, to our listening audience, about uh, these songs of Halloween and maybe some songs that, uh, that we missed on here? Anything that you, anything you think of like while we were talking that you were like, oh, I wish I would have done something. I wish I would have said that. I think what uh, it really is important is that death is coming. And nothing reminds us of that more then Halloween, and you know, let's celebrate that. Yeah, I would say, remember, um, you know, the old timey people thought that this time of year was when the boundary between the world of the living and the world of the dead was thin. Yeah. And it passed between the two. That's, that's what this time of year is all about. Mm. And the best Halloween songs, the best goth songs give you that sense of the other is possible now. Right? Yeah, I love it. So, yeah. I would say pick, pick songs that evoke that feeling. Uh, have some wine or some absinthe or some other psychotropic of your choice. And, <laughs> and scare yourself. Scare Kill yourself. a hobo. Yeah, you know. Yes, and listen to Next our... time you're... Sorry, right. Morty, but next time you're at a party and someone's playing Monster Mash or some other bullshit Halloween <laughs> music, yeah. you seize control of that playlist and really bring people down to the true meaning of Halloween by uh, by uh, picking something from our selections here tonight and Place sharing Place the Frankie teardrop and see how long a party lasts. Yes, Frankie, you clear that right. dance floor really quick. Wait, you, 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 you click on this playlist that I'm going to be sending along with this, and you tell your friends, this is what doom is. This yeah, is the right. real horror. This is no monster mash. <laughs> this, is the one. This, this ain't no cute Halloween. This is the real shit. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, well, everyone, thank you for listening again, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Ta. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.